Hey, what's up, y'all? Uh, this is Anwar, and I just wanted to make a couple of points before we started this particular show. Uh, we actually recorded this one just a little bit before the ASAP conference in D.C., so we kind of make mention of that. And uh, so it kind of sounds like it's past tense. But, you know, we did have a good time. Uh, we did have a little bit of slowdown in production between now and then. But the show is otherwise really good and timely from that standpoint. The other big point I wanted to mention is that the Society of Hospital Medicine actually published the white paper on their website. You'll see this link in the show notes uh, between when we recorded and uh, today when we're posting. And what actually happened was is Dr. Wheatley and I had read a draft and uh, we made some communications with the ASAP Ob section to, to their group. And uh, thankfully they actually changed uh, a little bit of the language in the paper to uh, kind of soften their stance on the type one dedicated observation unit. So that's kind of a win. And I feel good about that. And uh, I just wanted to make sure that uh, that was clear when you guys listened to this one. So the information might seem a little bit dated, but otherwise, you know, there's a lot we agree upon uh, between the Society of Hospital Medicine and uh, the ASAP observation uh, section. So uh, with that in mind, enjoy the show. My name is, my name is, my name is, my name is Anwar, 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 Anwar. Dr. Anwar Osborne. Dr. Matthew Wheatley. This is Pomscast. What's up, listeners? Um, I'm here with uh, my colleague, as always, Dr. Matthew Wheatley. Yes. Oh, do you want to say where here is? Oh, sorry. Uh, we got a new studio. Uh, we're recording Pomscast from my new office. I'm. Uh, uh, it's not a promotion, and uh, I don't even know if it's a, um, a move up, but like I'm the, uh, one of the ARDs now for our uh, residency program. Yeah, and I got a round of applause for that. <laughs> yeah, he's, right. he's instructing the youths of, of the world, <laughs> teaching them how to be better doctors. So. Yeah, well, well deserved. Yeah, thanks. Um, the, so we got an office now, and we outfitted it with uh, a great new studio, a lot of cool new stuff. So hopefully the sound is better this time around, and um, we're going to have you know the same sort of great content. Uh, and um, another thing we should mention as far as round of applause, uh, Dr. Wheatley was just pr promoted to uh, associate professor. Am I right? Uh, yeah, that's true. Right. Yeah. I'm not sure. I, I, I'm not sure what I'm associated with now. I'm associated <laughs> with a professor. Uh, and uh, it's good because uh, your birthday is tomorrow. That's true. Right. Yeah. So uh, uh, Dr. Wheatley's turned to the big four uh, zero. Right? Yeah. So, that's scary. Yeah. Did you have I a midlife crisis yet? No, I probably will when I have to increase the font size on my phone. <laughs> that'll be it that's good it's stuff. not coming yet but i hear it's like the day you turn 40 so everything just i can't see no um, i'm i'm uh, uh i'm feeling good 40 is the new something i guess i don't know <laughs> yeah man um, well hopefully you'll have 40 more then uh, yeah, let's hope that so uh so it's been a while since we've uh come at you with uh stuff from the obs world uh in the interim we had an obs conference in nashville tennessee that was uh kind of second week of september um so we got some highlights from that it was a good conference well attended uh, right great i had speakers a, great audiences i thought questions. it was really good i thought uh we had uh, a lot more um apps than before and I think we had uh, 
we even had a lecture by one of the APPs. Right, right? we had a Just lecture by one of the APPs. I think that made a huge difference in in all of that. Uh, you know, we had a pretty diverse group of people who were um, bringing the OBS knowledge. So uh, all of that is really cool, and I think uh, that gives us a lot of uh, momentum for next year. Yeah. Um, and we haven't decided on a place yet. There was actually there's actually a couple of competing conferences. I'm not trying to be biased. Uh, again, I. Uh, I don't. Uh, I don't speak of the other ones. I don't. Doctor Wheatley might not speak of the other ones. Um, I don't. Usually, a couple of the speakers cross over, but the one with all of the the scientists that are doing the work, uh, they go to the Science and Solutions Conference, the one that uh, is put on by MSEP. So yeah, that's right. Uh, if you're picking one. Uh, you would want to listen to people talk about the papers we write, or you want to listen to people talk about the papers that they wrote. One of the two. Yeah, we're, I mean, we're we're undecided, but uh, you know, <laughs> uh, <laughs> might change my mind in the future about it. But uh, but yeah, it was a it was a good conference. I think uh, there was a lot of talk about uh, next level OBS, from what I understand. Um, uh, we had uh, a number of people talking about uh, PE. Right? There's a lot more uh, units talking about doing PEs in the observation unit. Uh, we got a pretty new uh, VTE pathway here. You know how it's going here uh, at Grady? Um, it's been kind of a slow start. I think we've had a couple hiccups in terms of um, getting people plugged into follow-up. And I think when we've done our follow-ups, one of the patients said they didn't get their DOAC prescription. So uh, it just shows that I, I think a lot of the stuff with the VTE is coordination of care afterwards and less the acute medical care and watching the patient in the OBS unit, um, at least at, at our shop at Grady. You know, you're, you're really trying to plug the patients into getting their medications and getting them into follow-up. So we've got a couple of hiccups, which I think is to be expected, but that's why we do our kind of retrospective review on it. Um, that's good. Yeah. yeah. There haven't been any uh, real clinical hiccups. So That's good, man. That's real good. So we're almost cutting edge here at Grady by starting that. So uh, I'm really excited. I haven't actually had the opportunity to put a patient in there yet uh, on the pathway, but uh, I think it's coming. Yeah. I think it's coming. Um, the next uh, kind of more housekeeping, and it'll bring us to our first uh, big discussion topic, is we have uh, the ASEP meeting, uh, the ASEP observation section meeting that's going to be in Washington, D.C. Uh, at the convention center, um, if you're in the section or if you're not in the section, please feel free to come by. The exact time of that is going to be Monday, on, right? Monday the 30th? Monday the 30th, and... That's going to be at the Marriott uh, Marquis, Marquis Union Station Room. Uh, so uh, if you've been to D.C., that convention center is uh, this uh, kind of huge complex that connects a, a bunch of hotels. Uh, I think most of the meetings are going to be in the Marriott. Uh, however, uh, it's going to be from 9 to 10.30. we got a packed uh, agenda that um, I turned in, uh, I think, two weeks ago. Uh, among some of the highlights uh, of it are we're going to have uh, one guest come by to talk about uh, her hot off of the presses geriatrics and observation paper. Uh, I need to, you know, we probably should get her on the show. Yeah. I think that uh, we, a, we may do a show right then. Not, yeah, I mean, not, 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 dur <laughs> not during the meeting, but right after that. That would be good. And uh, she would be on, that would be, she would make a good guest because I think there's a lot to unpack about geriatrics and OBS yeah. uh, that she's going to share with us then. And maybe we can do a deeper dive uh, on the show. 
I think the other really neat thing we're going to unpack is finally, 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 we got the psychiatric uh, OBS survey done. And uh, Dr. Wheatley and uh, me and the rest of the officers on the uh, ASAP observation section officer group, we put in a, a lot of work on this, maybe, maybe about a year. Um, and I think out of this survey, we'll probably be able to at least publish a couple things, if not, uh, if not more. But um, what we found, the upshot of it is, is that, you know, it's like the wild, wild west, man. Uh, people do eight or nine different things. Sometimes they build, sometimes they don't. Uh, you know, when I saw the results, I guess the, if, if I was to make a hypothesis, it's hard to hypothesize about a survey, however, uh, my hypothesis is that there's no real standard of what people do. No, I think it's survivalism that these institutions have had to adapt as they've seen increased psych patients come through their front doors. And I'm sure the state of Georgia is no different than other states that have seen cuts across the board for decades to psychiatric services and, and funding for these patients. And so the only place they really have to go is the emergency department. Um, so from pediatric facilities to, you know, level one centers to small community centers, you're seeing folks coming in with psychiatric complaints. And if you're not a psych receiving facility, um, you end up housing those patients until they can be placed or until they can be evaluated uh, by somebody. So unless something fundamentally changes with how psychiatric care is meted out in the acute setting, i.e. Uh, more funding for outpatient centers or more hospitals are, al are allowed to do psychiatric care, uh, you're going to see this problem where they're going to be stuck in an ER waiting on a place to go. Um, and it, it gets worse with unfunded patients. If patients are funded, then it's, it's a little better depending on where you're at. But uh, So I think each of these sites had to come up with their own solution to this based on their available resources. And so uh, it's not surprising that you're seeing, like you said, Wild West. Uh, you know, uh, what I hope can come out of the, at least us showing that there's uh, a lot of uh, practice variation is maybe this is the time to put out some sort of joint uh, kind of approach to how you should take care of the observation patients. Like, I think that that is one thing that we should at least uh, try to put forth and uh, the other thing is uh, we should make it clear that this is a function of a broken system. We're just uh, trying to uh, survive, basically, or do the right things for the patients as they board and things like that. So uh, I think those are going to be two strong points that come out of this uh, survey. So, Yeah. Speaking of, uh, I guess, collaboration or working with another group of people, um, <laughs> There is a uh, white paper that was recently uh, written and uh, possibly published by the Society of Hospital Medicine uh, about observation services, right. where they essentially surveyed their membership, um, I guess, in light of some of the recent changes in policy to Midnight Rule, et cetera, just regarding their feelings of it. And uh, it was a profoundly negative paper from the standpoint of observation services. Their, their clinicians don't like it. Their clinicians feel that they, that observation services gets in the way of interactions with the patient and in some cases is actually responsible for deteriorating the physician-patient 
family bonds. Uh, they recommend kind of getting rid of observation services on block and replacing it with some sort of mini DRG or something like that. Uh, not What's going weird to is that, you know, it's almost like a mini DRG now, though. Right, you know? like right, with the, the APC. The APC is so comprehensive. There's only a handful of things, one of which we'll talk about in a minute. <laughs> There's only a handful of things that aren't included in that. And uh, I think you know, maybe... Uh, Maybe they want it to be called a DRG. I don't know, but the the APC kind of kind of covers that. the The other thing that um, I noticed from the article is they really talk about it from the standpoint of like the Type Four Ops unit, right? Well, and it almost in some ways proves the point that Mike Ross had in his health affairs paper, where he defined the types of Ops units mm-hmm. that. And I, I almost get it from their point. Like, if I'm a hospitalist, and you are a hospitalist, so, right. so you tell me if this is right on. If you're seeing a patient in room A with chest pain that's a full admit, and patient in room B that's a chest pain with, who's under OBS, it's, it's hard to switch your brain and hard to know, oh, I've got to treat the patient in room B differently because they're on a different clock. Um, it would be easier if... Either they were just the same designation and I could just treat them as they needed, as I saw fit, or if I knew because I'm in, you know, this floor in the hospital and this is the OBS unit, all these patients are under OBS and I need to set my expectations for that. So I I don't know if that's your experience, but I I mean, I think there, it seems that that beef is legitimate uh, from the standpoint of it's just confusing to work in this and it can be confusing for patients then to be you know, sharing a room or next to a room with admitted patients and, you know, I'm in a, I'm in a hospital bed on a hospital floor with a hospital TV and a hospital blanket, but I'm not a, I'm not a hospital patient. I'm still an outpatient. That, that seems right. profoundly confusing. I, I totally understand uh, from that standpoint that that could be uh, something that would get in the way of your patient care kind of thing uh, because patients now are asking about it, right? Like it's not no. a secret the 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 part that i think is missing though is or not missing but rather conflated which happened i think in the last time they put out a statement is they really conflate like what the ob status is in these patients that could be side by side separate statuses and what observation services are uh as far as what people who have a type 1 observation unit are trying to do in I think they want to approach it like from a baby in the bathwater sort of situation. Now, part of that is on us. Part of that is, you know, we could totally like just support them, but just say, hey, you know, approaching short stay services, you can call it triple uh, S, you can call it OBS, you can call it whatever. Like that sort of science is not going to just go away uh, with, with you throwing out a status. I think um, we can partner with them and just make it clear that, you know, these type one observation units are good. And they kind of mentioned that in the paper in, in a way that makes it seem like the units are more of a reaction, uh, to observation services. Uh, you know, into that specific point, I would have to disagree. I would say that perhaps maybe they started as a reaction, but now, um, with our, our people in our section and the people in the SAM interest group, uh, we are in it because we want to do the right thing for patients, not because we're reacting to a policy. Well, and that's what I saw a little bit uh, in this white paper. And granted, I think the, the main gist of it was a survey of physicians. And so this is essentially physicians' perspectives. 
but it doesn't seem to take into account what is best for the patient. They do mention the physician-patient relationship, so obviously that hints at something that may be good for the patient. You obviously want a good physician-patient relationship. However, it doesn't erase the fact that there are people who are going to need hospital services for less than two midnights or hospital services for for a day. Uh, you know, Mike Ross calls them six to 24 hour patients. Maybe you can call them the six to two midnight patients. You can call them triple S as you said, you can call them short stay, whatever. Um, the, the answer isn't keep all these people in the emergency department. The answer isn't send them all home. The answer is that they need to go somewhere that can, um, that can manage them efficiently and make the decision if they, if they need inpatient services or outpatient services. And that's what's best for the patient. Um, and, and if Society Hospital of Medicine is saying, look, we don't want this to be us, then you know maybe that's something we need to coordinate with Society Hospital Medicine. You know I've long held uh, the belief that you know a Type One OBS unit is the best place for these patients to be managed, and if it's run by ED or it's run by Hospital Medicine, that that's fine as long as you know the people who are running it are passionate about treating that type of patient and and know the science to do it well. Um, you know, there are plenty of people who think it's best run by ED physicians. There's plenty of ED physicians that say we don't we don't want to do this. Um, so if in a local institution there's a hospitalist that that likes it and can do it well, that you know more power to them. Um, if Society of Hospital Medicine is saying we don't want to do this, this isn't what we signed up for, then yeah, maybe this is something that ED groups need to take on more fully uh, and let the hospitalist take care of the more sick acutely. Uh, ill patients that require hospital admission. Um, one thing I think would be interesting would be to try to reach out to these authors and get let's get them on the show, and and because I think there's an opportunity here, honestly, because you know you've got ED folks and you've got hospital folks, and we are the groups that take care of these OBS patients. You know, there's an opportunity to come to an understanding of this issue together um, and draft. You know, how powerful would a combined policy be, just in terms of because uh, I'm sure there's I'm sure there's policy stuff we can agree on, right? Um, and how powerful would that be to send to organizations like the AMA or like ASAP right. or like the Society of Hospital Medicine um, to say, you know, this is a position paper not just of one group of physicians but of multiple groups of physicians uh, saying that we think this is what's best for the patient. So I, I think there's an opportunity um, definitely to rebut some of their points but also to come together and find some common ground and, and try to move this issue forward. Yeah, you know, really, it might be better if, if uh, one of us just calls him, calls uh, Dr. Wilkerson, and then just talks to and talks to those guys about it. Yeah, uh, that might be something that um, uh, we could probably uh, approach, uh, if not just on the show, but just uh, on a, in a personal kind of thing. I think that would be, uh, like you said, it could be way more powerful than it is right now because we probably agree on more things that than we uh, disagree, but. Uh, yeah. In the in the show notes, we'll put uh, a, li a link to the uh, article if it's uh, in press. Um, if not, uh, we'll just put the uh, name and the co-authors of the position pay position statement, and you guys could uh, look it up if you're super interested. Uh, but uh, we'll we'll wrap back up with the takeaways from that in just a minute. Now we uh, were able. Uh, to have an interview with uh, Dr. Bramante. So uh, just to 
uh, recap. Uh, I think Dr. Bramante has been on the show before. I, I believe he has. Uh, but he is uh, an observation uh, specialist who is uh, currently practicing at Good Samaritan Hospital in West Islip, Islip New York. And uh, he uh, was one of the leaders in the uh, uh, recent uh, New York ASEP resolution uh, on self-administered uh, medications. The upshot of this uh, New York ASEP resolution, uh, it, it was about the coverage for patient home medication while I'm under observation status. And there really weren't a whole lot of specifics in this particular piece of, uh, in this policy. However, um, what they did say is that self-administered medication should be covered like inpatient medications. Uh, one of the things that's not included in the uh, APC, which is very comprehensive uh, for observation stays, is uh, self-administered medications. So uh, if you come to the hospital and you uh, are, have uh, medications that you want to take, the processing uh, of those medications uh, can be pretty expensive. And so uh, a lot of places have like a patient safety sort of thing that they try to do with this, where they send the medications to pharmacy that's kind of obtrusive. If it's medications that you would take normally at home and the pharmacy sends you those, uh, you a lot of times have to pay exorbitant amounts out of pocket. So uh, some hospitals like uh, Harvard just uh, don't charge and uh, approach it just from patient safety. Uh, and uh, other hospitals, uh, particularly ones that uh, uh, don't have an observation unit and the patients can bring their uh, medications or they have to take their medications like at home, uh, they can get hit with really large uh, medication charges that they can sometimes go back and ask for Part D coverage for, but uh, it doesn't always work out in the best interest of the patient from that standpoint. So uh, really this is probably uh, the best way to look at it is not it wasn't I'm sure it was not a purposeful sort of uh, way to to make money like the the amount of money we're talking about is like 250 bucks or so. Right. I mean, it's a lot for a patient, but it's not a lot for a hospital. I mean, it's not right. like hospitals are getting rich off of this, but it can mean that when a patient gets home after an observation stay and then gets their hospital bill, that there's charges in there that. They weren't anticipating and are leading to a pretty large hospital bill, especially for folks that are on a lot of meds, yeah. blood pressure meds, etc. So uh, in the show notes, uh, we'll put uh, a link uh, maybe to the Dropbox with the uh, uh, specifics of the resolution. Uh, but uh, so let's get right into this interview with Dr. Bramante, one of our colleagues, a good guy from, again, Good Samaritan Hospital uh, in West Islip, uh, New York, who was uh, uh, one of the leaders on getting this resolution through. Hi there, and welcome to the show, Dr. Bramante. Why don't you take a minute and tell us how this all kind of got started on your end? So I'm on one of the New York A subcommittees as well as my role with the observation section. So there was a call for resolutions, and this is actually an issue that I probably wanted to do a year or two ago and never really got around to it. Um, this time I had the forum to do that. So with the patient advocacy groups, Coming out, you know, talking about surprise payments, there's a New York Times article on observation payments and the out-of-pocket costs, especially to the Medicare population. This seemed like the right time to do it. And for ASAP, hopefully this resolution will be adopted since this will be the first, as I could tell, professional organization to stand with the patients and patient advocacy groups on this issue. Wow, that's amazing. So how does this all play out in your particular shop? So the hospital has a policy for 
patients that get their medications labeled by the pharmacy to then send them back, store them. The problem is it's incredibly labor-intensive. It's for patients that are in the hospital 8 to, you know, 16 up to 24, very few stay more than that hours. The amount of time it takes to get their medications confirmed, labeled, sent to the pharmacy, sent back, barcoded, um, is just labor is labor intensive. Most of the patients don't bring their own medications, and to send somebody home to bring them in. By the time you do all that, you're either past the administration time anyway, right. or they're ready to go home. Um, so for most of our patients, they're just getting the hospital administered medications, even though they're their own medications. And then on the back end, they can always they get their Medicare notification that they can submit it as a Part D claim. Um, that being said, a lot of our patients are either not going to or not going to be able to figure that out. I'm, as if I'm a physician, you're a physician, and I'm sure you've seen healthcare bills that you get there almost uninterpretable. So to expect oh, right. the patient to figure out and what to submit, it's nearly impossible. Best case scenario is the patients are in and out before they need the meds. The thing is to say, okay, these are self-administered meds. You might get charged who's not going to give you. That really doesn't go ahead with promoting compliance for the patient. They're like, oh, if I don't need them in the hospital, they really need them at home. And then to tell them, and then to you know, tell them to bring their own meds and store them. Then there are some research studies that say um, patients taking their own home meds and self-administering them in the hospital setting helps improve compliance on discharge. The problem is that, again, it's labor-intensive. Where do you store the medications? What do you do with opiates? Um, and then everything in medicine has been moving to patient safety, which is what it should be doing. And to then say, okay, we're not going to barcode or whatever the case may be, everything is – regimented, you know when it's given, you know if there's an effect that came from, you know, that timing, and to say we're going to change that, it doesn't really make sense at this point. I mean, the most ideal thing would be to have these medications covered as part of the stay. Right. And we're not talking, it's not a huge amount of money, but for someone on fixed income, around $250, which is uh, what Dr. Boas quoted in one of his publications, is a lot of money for these people. I mean, one of the important things to remember is we're we're talking about when we talk about you know 200, 250, whatever the case may be. We're talking efficient observation units where we're getting our patients in and out in a timely fashion. There's still most places that don't have a dedicated observation unit. They're all over the place. That hospitalists or whoever may be taking care of them, and we already know the number of 24-hour stays has been increasing for in observation, which Medicare is trying to get away from. But those patients are now getting days and potentially multiple days worth of medications just running that cost up potentially for them hey so that's exactly why we got to do something we got to say something and you've been a big part of the leading this charge man uh, i appreciate your time and thanks for calling in and talking to us good talking to you all right, all right take care bye-bye all right so that was another uh that was another great observation medicine interview yeah uh, no, i mean it sounds it sounded really good like i got him on uh, i think it was skype and his phone so very happy about that one we're, getting, we're up in our game here we're getting better <laughs> here so 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 the takeaways from this show uh we're gonna call this the like car nicks minute or something like that <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that's the feedback we gotta we gotta make a takeaway so one takeaway is that the conference was awesome had a lot of apps we're gonna try to do it bigger uh next year have not picked a date uh, takeaway number two is that uh, the ASAP observation section meeting will be Monday, the 30th of, of October, uh, in the Marriott Marquis from 9 to 9, 9 to 10.30. Right. And uh, we are looking to 
uh, kind of network and collaborate with other folks uh, from around the country on issues that affect our observation units. Right. Uh, take home number three, uh, the psych ob survey results are back. Uh, thank you if you fill them out. Again, uh, very fragmented practice that we do out there. Uh, probably going to share a lot of details uh, both in the newsletter, at the meeting, and hopefully in a publication uh, by sometime in 2018. Uh, and next is uh, Society of Hospital Medicine white paper on observation. Um, definitely some areas of, uh, of disagreement, I think, coming from the ED perspective, um, but it presents an opportunity for some clarification and collaboration. So uh, we'll be potentially reaching out to them, and, and it'd be great if we could get them on the show. Uh, that would be great. Uh, and I guess lastly, take on point number five, uh, we had a great talk with uh, Dr. Robert Bramante about self-administered medications. Remember, if the patients are taking their own medications or it's something they've been, home, been on at home, then uh, a lot of times they'll be responsible for those costs. It shouldn't be that way. Uh, and uh, fixing that small loophole uh, is uh, going to be a big part of what ASAP does, uh, both New York and nationally, over the next couple of years here. Good. All right. Well, we hope to take this show on the road and uh, do one from ASAP in Washington, D.C., so look forward to that coming beginning part of November. Uh, but until then, if you don't have OBS, you've got a problem. All right. We'll see you next time. All right.